Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness! No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, 
or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What an encouraging passage for this day and time in which we live. These times will make you read your Bibles because these are the days for applying scriptures that you don't ordinarily find in those little God's Promises books and the promise box on your breakfast table. This is down to the nitty and gritty of Christian living. We heard Jesus talk about prayer and worry and money and provision and personal needs and forgiveness and relationships and how we fast even he deals with. What a wonderful text to look at today. We're not going to look at the whole thing, but we're going to look at a few of the verses. If there's ever a time to pray in our day, it is now. Uh, we're living in a time of tribulation. Maybe your Bible prophecy charts are going to have to be adjusted to accommodate reality in light of the Scriptures. Things are so unique right now, I've added a new verse to my poem called Tribulation. If you remember a few years ago, I wrote, a poem entitled Tribulation because of all the calamities that were happening around the world and it had even hit our world here. So if you will indulge me, I would like to read this little poem called Tribulation. Maybe you'll resonate with some of the things happening and then you'll notice the addition at the end if you've heard it before. In the world you will have tribulations, thunder snow, sleeting storms, crippled metroplexes, Power down, frozen towns, polar vortex touches Texas. In the world, you will have tribulation. 
Falling rains, rising floods, standing many on their roofs. Dozens slain, sliding mud, dirty avalanche on the loose. In the world you will have tribulation. Wildfires uncontrolled, fire starters uncontrolled, fire natos beyond belief. Firefighters need relief. In the world you will have tribulation. Whirlwinds, cyclones, earthquakes under seas, hurricanes and typhoons, tidal wave tsunamis. In the world you will have tribulation. Allison and Isabel, Rita and the likes of Ike, Katrina in New Orleans, the failure of a dike. In the world, you will have tribulation. Sinkholes opening up, swallowing much into the muck. Hopeless blame on bad luck. Experts speechless from the shock. In the world, you will have tribulation. Nations quake, bureaucrats crack. Leaders shake, whistleblowers rat. In the world, you will have tribulation. Terrorists terrorize. Innocents meet demise. Global problem multiplies. Worldly leaders theorize. In the world, you will have tribulation. Unending war, increasing poor, famines with disease, epidemics roar, compounding more. Now we have a pandemic. Drown out needy plays. In the world, we will have tribulation. Crews drink, cruisers sink, endangering all who trust. Fortunes stored on ocean floors for barnacles and rust. In the world, you will have tribulation. 2013 reveals and trashes the fraud of Nostradamus. May 15th, tornado crashes. Rancho Brazos houses. Here in Granbury, many have had tribulation. Lingering drought, shrinking lake, Rain without, yet authorities take. Taxing shorelines, not so great. Here in Granbury, many have had tribulation. Now here's the new stanza. 2020 vision fails to see. Corona little virus, disease 19. Millions taking shelter, keeping social space. Unless deemed essential, told to hold in place. In the world, we are having tribulation. Jesus said that these days would come, but by his victory we'd overcome. From his peace we can have peace. With his spirit we find relief. Through his truth we get set free. By his grace we now believe. For it was he who promised, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. If there's ever been a time in your life to pray, it is now. And I hope to motivate prayer in this sermon. If you have paper and pen by you, we're going to have a little exercise where you can write down a list of things to pray for. So you can pray with content and not make vain repetitions as he addressed there as we heard in Matthew chapter 6. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer needs, things that we need to pray for. We need to pray for our world's leaders. The scriptures say to pray for all those that are in authority. First uh, Timothy 2, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, 
and given a thanks be made for all men, that's everybody, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So we need to pray for the world's leaders. We need to pray for our healthcare workers. They are being overwhelmed in some parts of the country in two ways. The normal caseloads that they deal with, with people having problems and needing to be hospitalized, needing to be checked out. But now on top of that is this virus that has people so concerned. Along with the virus is the virus of fear, and that's where hoarding comes into play. Number three, we need to pray for our families and our neighbors. You need to pray for your children. You need to pray for your parents. You need to pray for your in-laws and your exes in Texas and your outlaws. Pray for them all. They need your prayer. And may God use this season of being in close quarters to reconcile with those with whom we maybe have been at odds. Let bygones be bygones and pray for one another. We need to pray for our nation and pray for our churches. Pray that we do creative things to get the gospel out as, the, as we release people in to ministry. It can be an amazing season for us. I don't think we'll ever be the same. And we need to pray for, and here's where your piece of paper comes in hand. Just make a list of things to pray for as it comes to mind. And after this service, Go to prayer after kids' church. Go to prayer with your children. Let's pray for the world's leaders. Let's pray for our healthcare workers, especially those who you know. Pray with fervency because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, the Bible says, avails much. Pray for our nation and pray for our churches and pray for those needs that you've written down. We need to pray for God's wisdom and guidance. If you've ever needed the Lord before, you sure do need him now. May he give you wisdom on how to apply the edicts being laid down to us by those in authority over us in our nation and here in our county. Pray for him to lead and guide your steps where to go get groceries, where to go get takeout. May the Lord lead and guide you. We need to pray for his protection and his provision. And this is where his guidance comes in. He can guide you to his provision and he can guide you in ways where you're protected. Now we're living in a season where the scripture that says rain falls on the just and the unjust applies. When it's raining, everybody gets wet. It doesn't matter whether you're a saint of God, a member of a church or an outlaw or an escapee from prison, you're going to get wet. And with this plague, without a miracle, you'll get sick if you expose yourself to it. So don't be foolish. I heard about a church up in Illinois where a bunch of folks got sick because they continue to have church. Bless God, we're going to have church. We have religious freedom. Yet they were warned by authorities. Jesus warned us about pestilences. He even told his disciples there would be a time when they would need to get out of Jerusalem. When you see Jerusalem surrounded, get out. If they stayed and said, God's my protector, they'd have died. But they heeded his counsel. They followed his guidance. So pray for his wisdom, 
guidance, protection, and provision. And we need to pray for more love and more courage, that we would love like never before and that we would be courageous. How do love and courage go together? I thought we needed to pray about our fear. We're afraid. We're losing sleep. Well, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So we don't want to pray the problem. We want to pray the solution. And the solution to the fear problem is love, God's perfect love. Pray for his love. And, and if it becomes obvious to your heart while you're praying that you've got a problem in that area or there's someone you need to apologize to or an area where you need to repent, do it. Prayer changes us before it changes anything else. Number nine, we need to pray for one another. I need your prayers. You need our prayers. So by all means, let us know what your prayer needs are through our various means of communication. It could be uh, leaving a message here at the church, even though the offices aren't open right now. You can still leave a message. We will retrieve them when we come in every other day or so, if not every day. The, the Healthy Lunch Program is continuing. And so uh, someone will check the machine and get your message, 817-326-5378. Let's pray for one another. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Well, it has to do with the, the prayer request of God, the prayer request of Jesus. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The world has a unique way of trying to blame Israel for everything in the world when they are nothing but a blessing to the nations of the earth. So pray for their health as well, and you will be praying in alignment with the will of God. And finally, we need to pray without hindrances. We need to pray for wisdom, guidance, protection, provision, love, and courage. We need to pray without hindrances. Finally, the final thing we need to pray for is, Lord, show any hindrances in my life that are hindering my prayers. I believe that when we pray from our heart and we pray in alignment to the will of God, that God hears us and I believe he answers us. We may not see the answer right then. That's where faith comes in. Faith holds us steady until the answer is revealed. It's as though our life is a timeline. If you can think of time as a linear reality, God answers our prayer that we pray today, and the answer is there somewhere along the timeline of our life. So it's not that the answer is on the way, but we are on the way to the answer. So we want to pray with faith, but we want to pray if there's any hindrances in our life that the Lord would reveal that to us. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about unhindered prayer. We're talking about keys to unhindered prayer. But before we get to the keys, let's look at our text today. Matthew 6, verse 5 through 15. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard 
for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our trespasses or our sins as we forgive our debtors or those who sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. My wife is going to lead us in this prayer at the conclusion of this teaching. And I encourage you to join with her as she leads us in praying what is known as the Disciples' Prayer. But it's been called the Lord's Prayer for so long, and he did teach it to us but it's the pattern of prayer by which we can pray. We give him praise and glory. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we give him praise and glory. And then we pray for his will to be done. We pray prayers that are in alignment with his will, where you know where his will should be done. Ask him to do it. And then you pray for your personal needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Then you pray prayers of forgiveness and repentance. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You pray for grace to forgive people. Then you pray about temptation. Lord, don't lead us into temptation. Literally, Lord, lead us away from temptation. He never tempts anyone. He's not going to lead you into being tempted to do evil. He can lead us away from temptation. So we pray for that, and we pray for his deliverance from evil, and then we give him glory for his kingdom, his power forever. And then he says in verse 14, but if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Lord, I pray as we talk about prayer, I pray, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus that you would help us to focus on what you've called us to be part of as believers. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're talking about keys to unhindered prayer. Do not pray to be seen. Jesus talked about the hypocrites that prayed on street corners and let everybody know how spiritual they were. He said they have their reward. Do not use vain repetition. God is not impressed by your much speaking to get your points across. You don't have to say it over and over and over again. You can pray with passion. You can pray with fervency. But you don't have to yell at him. He's not deaf. And you don't have to say the same things over and over. He's not dumb. I used to know a person. She would pray, God, 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 God. I imagine God saying, what, 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 what. Call on his name in faith. Present your petition. Give him glory and praise. I think people fall into that mold when they want to pray, but they forget the pattern that he taught in what's known as the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. Do not pray without forgiving. Forgiveness is so important. I believe if you have unforgiveness in your heart, 
and you go and pray, God will not answer your prayer. He'll be like, talk to the hand. He'll be like, get that straight. You know, uh, another place in Matthew, he says, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has ought against you, go leave your gift there and go and make things right and then come and present your offering to the Lord. So he wants us to get it right. You know, the cross is vertical and horizontal. We love the Lord. Me and Jesus got my own thing going, but that's just half the picture. We've got a family to relate to. And the closer we get to Jesus, in reality, the closer we get to one another. John says, if you can't love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love God whom you have not seen? And I think part of the problem in the area of forgiveness is people allow unforgiveness to fester till it becomes a grudge. And then the grudge becomes a bitter root. And then you're in trouble. You're messed up. And I pray that you would make this an objective during this season to become a forgiving person and to allow all grudges to go, to let them go. Here's our new elder, James Neal, to talk to us about what a grudge is. In Leviticus 19, there's a word that comes up. It's the word grudge, C-R-U-D-G-E. It means to cherish anger to guard it, to keep it, to reserve it, and to bear it. That means that if a person has anger and they, they hold it in as a grudge, they cherish it as you would something that's close to your heart. They guard it. In other words, nobody's going to take it away from me, is what they're really saying. They keep it. It's theirs and theirs alone. They reserve it, possibly for a later date to let it come out in some form, and finally they bear it. And that's probably the worst thing. They have to bear that terrible grudge until they get rid of it. And if a person keeps a spirit of a grudge, they could very well become a bitter person. That could lead to bitterness because in Hebrews 12, 15, it says that we're to allow no bitter root to grow up within us because it can cause trouble and defile many, not, not just yourself, but a lot of people. And a root in a person's life is the essential cause of anything. And that's what a grudge is. It gets deep down in our spirit. Thank you, James. So we don't want to pray to be seen. We don't want to use vain repetitions. We don't want to pray without forgiving. And we do not want to neglect Christ's words. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it will be done for you. When you abide somewhere, you pay attention to where you're at. You value where you're at. You abide in your home. You are a steward of your home. If you abide in God's words and his words abide in you, then you will value what he has to say. The Son of God did not come and just make pithy sayings. God's word did not become flesh to come and speak meaningless platitudes. Jesus, as some theologians erroneously say, is not an Old Testament prophet. He came to fulfill the law, but
but he came to make the law a matter of the heart. So if Jesus said it, it is important. Take it seriously, and your prayers will have less hindrances as you grow in him. We do not need to pray without repenting. David said in Psalm 66, 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my voice in prayer. So don't regard iniquity. Get it out. Don't let it rule you. That's what a grudge is, kind of like a a pet that people don't want to let go of. And favorite sins can be like that as well. Do not pray without believing. We don't want to pray prayers of doubt. That's where vain repetitions come in saying things over and over because we don't believe God has heard us. We think somehow we're going to be uh, heard if we just drive him nuts. James said in chapter 1, verse 5 of his letter, this is the brother of Jesus talking, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's as though the Lord does not want to reinforce immaturity. He wants us to grow and mature in our faith and to trust him no matter what. And he will come through for you and give you grace to endure in the process as you're on the way to the answer. We do not need to miss praying. Some prayers are hindered simply because we don't pray, and we don't need to pray amiss. Look at what James had to say here in chapter 4 of the same letter. You do not have because you do not ask. We have hindered prayer because we're not praying. And then he said, You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss to spend it on your passions. Maybe your prayer is hindered not just because you don't pray, but when you do pray, they're very self-centered prayers. You know, God, get my enemies. Uh, God, get me a new Corvette. Uh, Things that will have to be a steward over and would create more hassle for you. Sometimes God's blessings are prayers that he answers in his way and not in our way. Keys to unhindered prayer include honoring our wife. You do not want to dishonor your wife. If you do, your prayers are hindered. Look at what Peter, who was one of the apostles closest to Jesus, in his first letter, chapter 3, 7, said, Husbands likewise, the wives are just told how to relate to her husband. Now husbands, like the wives relating to them, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel." or the more delicate vessel. Kind of like comparing an old cafe, truck stop, coffee bug to a fine piece of china. Give honor to your wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. That your prayers may not be hindered. That's a biggie, men. You don't get it right with your wife, God's like, talk to the hand Maybe that's why we miss praying, because we got some homework to do. 
So in this season, I imagine, maybe there's some of us, maybe all of us, in this season where we're, I don't want to use the word incarcerated, but where we're sheltering in place, we need to take care of business and reconcile and stop digging up old problems and let's bury them and move forward and honoring one another in the position God has given us in the home. Well, I'll honor her when she honors me. Men, as a leader, you lead the way. You go first. You want to be the leader or not? Go first and give yourself a promotion. Let her be the sergeant. You are now the captain. Let the sergeant take care of details you really don't need to be burdened with anyway and honor your wife. Now, here's a bit of humor. This is a husband that's tired of being with his wife. He doesn't want to be with her. He's not honoring her, so his prayers would be hindered. Look at this. Because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined, but you have a choice. Do you, A, quarantine with your wife and child, or B? B. 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 <laughs> that's funny. Hurts a little too, though. And one of the final keys to unhindered prayer is if you want your prayers to be unhindered, do not practice being malicious. Do not practice being vindictive. Do not practice being vengeful. When someone doesn't do what you want and they bump their nose or they have a mess on their hands and they need your help, how do you relate to that? Do you take that as an opportunity to rub their nose in it? to say, oh, now you want to do what's right. Does God treat us that way? No. When we do that, it hinders our prayers. Peter also wrote in chapter 3 of his letter, verse 10, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. We open the service today by reading from Psalm 34. And it's that Psalm Peter's quoting from let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So get rid of the mischief and the vindictiveness and the unforgiveness and the grudges and the dishonoring and the competitiveness, and enjoy a life of prayer that is not hindered. Why? We need unhindered prayer in our hour. We need it. We need it. And finally, don't forget our Lord's Prayer instruction. Some people don't pray because they say, I don't know what to say. The Lord laid it out for us. The Lord's Prayer. Think of it as an outline for praying. Pray those different kind of things. Pray one line and then pray other things that you can think of that go along with that. Then pray another line. Pray other things that go along with that. Pray from your heart. You don't have to be a professional prayer. In fact, professional prayers, I think, bother God. He relates to those who have a broken and a contrite heart. He relates to those who are like little children. He relates to those who are willing to try. So try, pray according to that prayer outline, and I'll guarantee you 15 minutes will fly by. Well, I heard the Lord's Prayer teaching years ago. Well, it's still in the Bible, and it's still something to apply. Why? 
did we get away from it? So in concluding the sermon today, here's my lovely wife. We call her Miss Yvette, Yvette Latta, to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord God, I just pray that as we have said this prayer, that we would take inventory on our lives. Lord, that you would show us any areas that we need to deal with so that our prayers might not be hindered, Lord. You gave us this prayer to pray, and it touches every area of humanity today. And Lord God, we ask that as we say it, that you would honor the cry of our heart, that you would deal with our hearts as we lay before you and exalt you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. I encourage you to not to do anything else, but pray right now for the next, I'm going to put on a countdown for the next five minutes. Pray. Maybe you wrote some things down, make a list and pray. Two or three groups of two or three in your house, get together and pray. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. Old things have passed. Oh